I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ah, uh, yes, it's Christmas time, a time of giving and receiving gifts, and what better gift to provide the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast this holiday season than the gift of a donation. Everything you listen to, everything you read on the website, see on our social media channels, or access through our newsletter, it's all been done by me, Ben Johnson, the founder, editor, and host of the Kung Fu Movie Guide. And any donation that is made to the show goes directly back into funding the upkeep of this podcast and all the other elements that support it. So if you do have any spare pennies knocking about the place then as a little Christmas gift, why not head over to paypal.me forward slash kung fu movie guide. When you go there, you'll see my face and the send option. Click on that and please donate whatever you can to keep the show on the road. Thank you, Foo followers around the world for all your support over the years and to anyone who has donated so far. Thank you so much. Happy holidays, listeners. Merry Christmas. And now let's get on with the show. Well, if you're really so determined to have a fight... Then I'll oblige. <laughs> hello, hello, hello there, food followers everywhere around the world. Welcome. Welcome one and all to part two of our special two-part end of year show 2022 from your friends at the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. My name is Ben Johnson, I am the host of this podcast, and for this two-part end-of-year show, I am joined by my very special guest. He is the author of Life of Action, Volume 1 and 2. He is your friend of mine, he is Mike Fury. Hello there, Mike. Hello again, Ben. <laughs> Lovely to see you. Although you never really left. <laughs> so, um, listen, I do hope you're all having a good time wherever you are in the world listening to this episode. You may recall in part one, we discussed the stories that grabbed the headlines during the year 2022. And we also looked back at some of the guests who have appeared on this podcast so far this year. And we also unwrapped some Christmas presents because after all, it is the festive season. But now I think it is time for the moments we have all been waiting for. On this episode, Mike and I will be highlighting our best and worst fight-centric action films from the year 2022, as well as sharing some of the thoughts of our listeners. Over the last few weeks, you have been messaging us with your favourite fight films of the year over our social media accounts, either on Twitter, at K 
AF Movie Guide or on Instagram and Facebook at Kung Fu Movie Guide or via our website kungfumovieguide.com and the email address which is as always hello at kungfumovieguide.com a huge thank you to everyone who has got in touch it really is great when we do hear directly from you guys we won't be able to read out everyone's messages but thank you to everyone who did let us know their favourite fight films of the year. Okay, Mike, I think we are now ready to go through the best and worst films of the year. So let's start with the worst martial arts film of 2022. The worst martial arts film of 2022. Mike, I know you do hate doing this, but let's just see if... Uh, yeah, you put anything just down. Preempt by saying I I try to not be too negative. No. With it. So, and usually, even if something is flawed, there's some positives to be drawn in some regard. So that's why, of course, there's something that will, you know, you will not rank as highly as the others. It's but I try to I try to stand the positive end of the spectrum. However, occasionally there are things that not only may not measure up but might act- actively piss us off a bit <coughs> yeah that's what happened to me here. yeah okay interesting. so i'll lead into based on the list that we compiled the man from toronto and <laughs> okay. uh this is of course the netflix film yeah. starring uh, kevin hart and woody harrelson two yeah. people i'm i'm big fan of of each of them as actors kevin hart's character is mistaken to be this legendary assassin the man from toronto who is actually woody harrelson both of which are potential ingredients to you know have a fun cocktail. Yeah, that sounds good. But it's, um, yeah, it was just, it was, unfortunately, it's neither funny nor exciting in the action sense. It was just, you know, both have worked on films far better and far more entertaining. And when, at le- like, we're going to get into this, I'm sure, but there is such a thing as being quippy when it's not, I don't feel it's funny or necessary, but maybe the action's good, you know, lean into your strengths. But when something's trying to be action-packed and funny and literally neither neither aspect delivers, that's the disappointment. It's kind of depressing when so many of these streaming-led films feel like they're made by algorithm. Mm. It's like, literally, it could be, a, you know, an automated spreadsheet combining, you know, element, you know, Kevin Hart's comedy does well on Netflix, plus action, plus this, plus this equals this. And yes. it's, it's like an algorithm-calculated formula, yes. which doesn't you know factor in any heart or soul or characters we care about and it's uh it's quite uh it's quite a disappointing thing to have these clearly the budget the resources the talent involved and we literally know they're capable of more but obviously the uh, the box that they're put into doesn't allow them to, to do There's that. There's a few Netflix movies like this, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Red Notice, that mm-hmm. film with The Rock, I thought was similar. Mm-hmm. That felt like that had been sort of scripted by an algorithm. Mm-hmm. The film, I would say, that actually just disappointed me the most was uh, was Bullet Train. Yep. I don't know okay. how you felt about yep. Bullet Train, I Mike. wasn't a big fan, I have to no. confess. And it's a shame because it's David Leach, and I really like, obviously... John Wick, co-director, mm-hmm. Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, Hobson mm-hmm. Shaw, I thought was really good fun as well. And I think this might be his first misfire that he's yeah. that he's done. An action comedy where the comedy just didn't work for yeah. me at all. It sounds a bit like The Man from Toronto, actually, where that the comedy yeah, was Yeah, and I mean, misfiring. look, I, didn't, I personally didn't connect with the comedy of Bullet Train, but I've read that a lot of people did find it funny and entertaining. So, I, again, we know that comedy is very subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Bullet Train for me, um, again, similar to what you said, um, I enjoyed the action. I enjoyed the quirks of many of the characters. 
but yeah the action was uh just didn't didn't work for me and actually you know dave leach yeah big big fan of him again somebody i've had the opportunity to interview in the past and he's yeah. in the first life of action i've really enjoyed seeing you know his career trajectory but um, i i'm really craving for the time he tackles something a bit meatier mm. uh, story wise he yeah. he tends to favor not that's a bad thing it's obviously just tonally just different there's a lighter comedic aspect to it um except for obviously the first john wick co-directing and also atomic blonde this probably remains my favorite of his yep. films um but with like hobbs and shaw deadpool um and this there is there's a lightness like a bantery lightness to it which isn't a bad thing but i think i would love to see him because he's such i think te- he's technically a very good director yeah and um and clearly has the you know the the the, the talent and the drive to um I think pull off narrative action storytelling. I'd like to see him tackle something a bit darker and edgy, and just interesting to see how he ta- how he sh- shifts gears in that sense. But yeah, for me, Bullet Train, I was entertained largely, and I enjoyed a lot of the um, the homages to like the old the old uh, the Japanese yakuza yeah. stuff, the comic book elements, and the cast was great. But I didn't. Yeah, the, the humor was something that really uh, it it felt it was too wacky and zany for me, but and it didn't work it just didn't land and unfortunately it's another dud for andrew koji mm-hmm. what a wonderful actor he was fantastic in snake eyes and he was wasted in that mm-hmm. movie as well really hope there's a good vehicle for andrew koji uh coming yeah. soon as well you sure you want to talk this out not particularly no uh, okay okay look we've got off to a bad start there <laughs> the only way is up now mike yeah so that's enough of the worst films of the year let's get on to the good stuff mm-hmm. here we go it is now time to run down the best of the best these are the films that we love the most in 2022 in a section that we like to call the best martial arts films of 2022 the best martial arts films of 2022 okay so just to remind our listeners we have compiled a list of fight centric action films that came out in 2022 the full list has been available on our website kungfumovieguide.com for some time now so you can log on to the website and take a look at the full list right now we'll put a link to it in the podcast description as is the tradition with this show i specifically asked mike not to tell me what his top five films are so that is left as a little bit of a surprise So, Mike, before we get into it, I would say this year was tricky to compile a top five. A lot of the films on the list are perfectly fine examples of fight movies, barring a few exceptions. Uh, There was nothing too spectacular in this list this year. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you agree with that, just generally. Yeah, it felt like... I think it's funny, going back... um to years past and I do mean years past not in recent times traditionally it was the big tentpole blockbusters the big movies didn't necessarily deliver on the action front so much obviously blockbuster spectacle action they did but not like the intricacies of fight scenes and so on was was always lacking and we'd always lean on the uh the indie side for you know the quality uh filmmaking in that in that department and now it's obviously it's changed you know we've got increasingly action fluent and highly experienced stunt coordinators and second unit directors handling these big films and the action's you know gone up enormously absolutely like with especially the marvel films or dc the, the you know any kind of big blockbuster it's it's extremely rare to see poor even poorly edited action i think that's kind of doesn't happen much anymore yep. i don't see it as often certainly but now what's also happened is uh the indie side there's definitely been a saturation of dare I say, I hate this word, content 
I'm mm. using air quotes, content on the streaming platforms, obviously moving away from the DTV side now, it's like streaming films, um, a huge saturation, which means the quality varies wildly. Mm. Um, so we still get the films that we uh, would look to for good action and good fight scenes. And uh, the filmmakers and actors are still doing those, I guess, in increasingly uh, challenging, limited budgets, resources yeah. and so on. But there's also, you know, uh, there, there's also pretty piss poor yeah uh fight centric films are on these platforms so look it's it's still there but i guess with the saturation means that it's it feels somewhat diluted you have to really dig for the gems Mm -hmm. it feels like Mm -hmm. but i'm glad that the opportunities are still there for filmmakers to make the films that they want albeit the circumstances seem to be a bit more challenging okay mike so before we get going quick notes on the release dates as always some of the foreign titles in this list still haven't been officially released here in the uk which means we haven't been able to see some of these films even some of the american movies have been released quite widely in the usa but not here so for example blade of the 47 ronin that is on netflix in the usa but it's not available here the chinese film Wolfpack, that's max chang's movie that got a well go usa release in north america but that's not available here either i couldn't find the french film kung fu zora anywhere here in the uk mm-hmm. we're just getting our excuses in early yeah. uh, we we do try our best though most years don't we mike to try and we cover do. as much ground uh, as as possible just on that point though why do you think the uk does sort of get sidelined a little bit especially when it comes to action movies and definitely world cinema in general it's it isn't always easy to to see these yeah, movies i like. think it's getting it is getting better but i also think with this isn't exclusive to this genre but the disparity and the massive spreading between streaming platforms makes it quite hard to find stuff you know it's either it's either in cinemas or it's not or it's itunes i think we've talked about searching itunes then netflix then amazon then apple tv then something else then something and it's quite challenging sometimes or maybe on you know maybe something is on dvd or blu-ray i mean it's always been this way as we know in the past Except now with the internet, it, you're probably more mindful yeah. of, of yeah, it yeah. Uh, compared to previous times. Did you cram a lot of viewing in over the last few weeks, or did you had you seen a lot of these movies throughout the year as they were coming out? Um, it made me realise that I mean I had watched quite a few things throughout the year, but it it made me acutely aware of what I was due to catch up on. So I had a nice little late binge, I think. Yeah. But it's a good excuse to do it, and I thank you for being as always. I always draw attention to this. Ben is super organized. You're, you know, you don't just, if you left me to my own devices, I wouldn't know what to do, but you, you compile a nice list. Obviously you've shared that on the website. I think you send it over. You're very good with notes and scripts and plans of what we're going to cover and super organized. So I do very little work basically. (laughs) I just, well, you say that Mike, but I had to do, I had to do quite a bit of cramming as well. I've seen it quite, I saw quite a few movies this week and saw one on, saw one yesterday. Mm -hmm. As we've said before, the tradition is that I don't know what Mike's top five is, so I am excited to hear what you have selected this year. Without any further ado, let's get on with it. Let's kick off then with your number five. Number five. I'm excited to hear this because it's an it's an odd little mix of films this year, Mike. So what have you gone for for your number five? Well, my number five is The Grey Man. Ah, okay. Yes. So... 
We know this to be a Netflix film. They're, I think, the record-breaking, most expensive film to date. I believe so, yeah. Um, it is, I think it's had a long kind of gest- gestation period in terms of you know pre-production going through various um, forms, but it's based on the um, novel by uh, an author called Mark Greeny, who's best known as a collaborator of Tom Clancy in La- Latter Day. So it's that kind of you know, espionage, Bourne-esque sort of spy world of spy stuff. thrillers um globe trotting yeah and film. look i mean what i'll say about this is so you know stars ryan gosling chris evans anna diamas and um i had a lot of fun with this so i would say and it's directed by the russo brothers who i'm i'm a fan of from the their, their, their marvel work captain america um, the Avengers. Yeah, exactly story-wise real quick it doesn't require a huge amount of explanation it's a you know there's a a character in prison he's recruited by a kind of cia handler one of these you know quite derivative stories of uh, we need somebody with no ties no uh, associations who you know has a hairline (laughs) temper who get the job done at all costs and then goes into the secret cia kind of assassin program my biggest critique which became apparent quite quickly when you see it and it'll be interesting you know other people may or may not have this view i I was my biggest thing i it was very derivative the script was fairly weak the story was like no effort had been made to make this any more original than, again, just riffing on Bourne and this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But what I really enjoyed was, so I thought, Ryan Gosling, I'm a big fan of Ryan Gosling. Um, it kind of reminded me, and then later I read up on some stuff which kind of echoed the sentiment is, how cool would it be to see him in a franchise an action franchise type of thing because we know from the likes of I mean I'm a fan of a lot of his work from drama comedy and so on but you know Drive or Only God Forgives he's he's a great actor but he's also got really good action chops and it would be really fun to see him in a new non-superhero kind of modern day spy type franchise and um, I think he was great in this role balance the kind of the you know he, he's he always carries the serious tone well but there was a bit of light-hearted quippy humor didn't always, good didn't one always work but good one-liners handled the action chops well chris evans is in there with a, a funny mustache he's great um but again kind of plays it up and um choose the scenery a bit but it's he really it's, it's fun to watch but you know basically despite the shortcomings of being quite derivative and kind of predictable along the way. I just thought it, it was it was a good example of being very entertaining and well delivered, well executed. When the Russos kind of um, reverted to like Marvel world of how they would have done the action, that's where it was at its weakest. Yeah. But the there was a lot of good hand to hand fight there scenes. There was actually, yeah, um, shootouts and um, and just again the character development they achieved through the fight scenes mm-hmm. and it felt like a good opening chapter to this fran- to a franchise and I would be interested to see if they did more and where that would go but based on that that's why I uh, put it in as number yeah, 5 yeah absolutely and some of our listeners as well enjoyed the grey man on Instagram Kevin Howard aka Kevo5987 uh, wrote the grey man Ryan Gosling was great I enjoyed the plot and especially the action and fight scenes okay my number 5 is Violent Night okay so this is the new one from 87 North. That's David Leach and Kelly McCormick's production company. And they've had a pretty decent hit rate so far. If you think of Nobody, which was, I think, one of our films of the year yeah. last year. Kate as well for Netflix. And Bullet Train, which we just mentioned uh, a moment ago. Didn't quite work for me, but uh, it was a, it was a really big hit. This is basically a one-joke movie, so it's Die Hard, but with Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. 
and through some kind of Christmas magic, it does sustain its charm and excitement throughout. I do think it's mostly down to David Harbour, who plays uh, Santa, and he plays Santa as this depressed, alcoholic, overweight, cranky guy flying around on his sleigh on Christmas Eve. He's half pissed and he's magically going down chimneys to give out toys to to kids on his nice list. And he just happens upon a luxury home during a raid when terrorists break in, trying to steal the family loot and holding everyone hostage. So Santa then channels his inner Viking and starts cracking skulls. And I don't know about you, Mike, but I really want to see that Santa origin story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where it flashes back. He says something like, I wasn't always Santa Claus. And then it does this flashback to him being some Viking warrior Mm -hmm. with a big hammer. And uh, I was sat there thinking, that's a prequel. We need yeah, that prequel. Yeah. David Harbour is so great and cuddly in uh, Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And I think he just oozes this natural compassion and charm. And even when he's going on the rampage and he's hammering people mm-hmm. in the face, um, it's he still manages to sustain that evuncularity, mm-hmm. shall we say. Some of the more sentimental bits didn't quite work for me so well, and it does feel a little bit inconsequential, but I did laugh out loud mm-hmm. at quite a few bits during this film. I do think it's just funny seeing, you know, in quotation marks, the real Santa <laughs> uh, just going on this violent mm-hmm. killing spree. I think it's quite funny. Mm-hmm. A side note to this is the fight choreographer is Jonathan Eusebio, mm-hmm. Jojo, and he did speak about this movie on this podcast. So go back and check out that episode if you want to hear more from Jojo. Violent Nights is my number five. It's currently on general release here in the UK. Bit of feedback from the Foo followers on Instagram, Ross Boyask. Violent Night, an unexpected, well-written, gorgeously executed treat. And also on Instagram, Maladin Kulich has said, Violent Night, a diehard knockoff with Santa trying to rescue a girl and her family from terrorists. Not only does this movie deliver some great gory action scenes, it's also really funny with a social commentary on how Christmas became more about the money than love. There you go. That's my number Mm -hmm. Five Violent Night. Okay, so let's move on now to our number four. Number four! What is your fourth favourite fight-centric film of 2022? My fourth favourite, Ben, is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Ah, interesting. Yeah. This story, uh, it follows um, King T'Challa's death um, with uh, the invading forces around the world targeting uh, Wakanda's vibranium. I was a big fan of the first Black Panther. Yeah. Um, I thought this was really good. I may have even enjoyed it more, dare I say, than the uh, than, than the previous. The sequel more I than the first I, one? Okay. Possibly. Although, obviously, very sad, lacking the, the late, great Chadwick Boseman. I did think it was very, uh, very nice, very beautifully handled in terms of um, how they transitioned his, um, his, you know, his loss and his part of the story. But they passed the torch very well to Letitia Wright. To put it bluntly, how can you... I know that I noticed on the titles and a lot of the marketing, I mean, clearly Black Panther is the brand, but it's like tiny Black Panther, big Wakanda forever. Mm. Because we've lost Black Panther, what do you Mm. do from there? And obviously, without spoiling it for anyone who hasn't seen it, there is a kind of a way to pass the torch of Black Panther and what does that mean going forward? But I think they they handled that well. They evolved that... um, Quite literally, the the passing of the torch, I guess. Great set pieces, you know, action sequences, uh, the fighting, of course, which we 
talk about uh, closely. But I just thought the story and the the evolution of the character and these, I guess, the ensemble of characters that we've got to know through the first film was was handled really well. And um, and these new the the, the kind of spoiling it a bit but the villains and the new characters that mm. introduced were very compelling and again Marvel do this well very multifaceted characters where you know the villains are not necessarily all two-dimensional dastardly evil there's a multifaceted aspect to them and their struggles and where they're coming from a very long film very epic I mean even by Marvel standards it was like nearly three hours long I think in the runtime was it really that long but I have to say it was it was entertain. it was very entertaining yeah. it felt it, it moved quickly it was very brisk and tick the boxes for me, Ben. <laughs> Good stuff, Mike. Oh, this is my favourite superhero movie from this year, and okay. it's in my honourable mentions. Okay. This is so not it didn't in make my the top, top five. five. Wow, interesting. Interesting. I'll tell you why this okay. didn't make the top five, and I was agonising over this, but when I think back to it, it's not the action and the fight scenes that I remember. It's the way they dealt with the passing mm. of... Don't forget the character of Black Panther, T'Challa but also the passing of Chadwick Boseman in real life. Mm-hmm. And the film somehow managed to do both. Mm-hmm. It's a very meta, it's a weird experience mm-hmm. watching this film because I think they tackled that subject okay. very well. Yeah. Now, when I think about it, it's not the action that I think about okay. with this film. So purely for that reason alone, yeah. Yeah. I thought I don't think it can hold up in a in my top five what? fight-centric action films. Angela Bassett, mm-hmm. my gosh, she was brilliant in, in mm-hmm. this film as uh, T'Challa's mother, yeah. the queen of Wakanda. A lot to, to celebrate yeah. with this yeah. movie, absolutely. My number four is Baby Assassins. Okay. This is technically a 2022 release here in the UK and also in North America. I think Walgo USA mm-hmm. released it there. I found this on Apple TV, this movie, so it is it is out there. Baby Assassins is a dark Japanese action comedy about two high school girls who work as assassins for some shady organisation. It's never quite clear who their bosses actually are, but they seem to be on the quote-unquote good side. Uh, they sort of kill a lot of Yakuza members and people like that. They get into trouble when they kill quite a prominent Yakuza member and then they get gangsters go after them that's one side of the film but the other side is this quite tender coming of age story about the two of them living together and trying to negotiate their roles as young women in Japanese society one of the girls Mahiro is the shy quiet type she's happy with her head in the, in a book or training in martial arts and her friend Chiseto is more outgoing, sociable. She's really keen to make friends and actually make a serious attempt at finding a job and trying to live a sort of normal life. And that's obviously at odds with the violent and actually quite brutal work that they do in killing people. Um, so I would say the film doesn't always get that balance quite right between you know whether you're actually supposed to like these girls or not it can leave the viewer as you're watching it in quite a uncomfortable position but 
the way I read the film was more as a retaliation against the social norms and conformity that they're sort of rebelling mm-hmm. against. Neither of them can fully express themselves in normal society. It just so happens that they can express themselves fully in their work as mm-hmm. assassins. So there aren't too many fight scenes in this, but the fight scenes that are in this movie are very good. And that is thanks to the action director Kensuke Sonomura. He's a prolific action director, been working for decades in Japanese cinema. Bushido Man, one of my favourites of his from 2013. He made his directorial debut in 2019 with Hydra. Definitely go and check out Hydra if you haven't seen that. And I'm very much looking forward to his next movie as a director, which is called Bad City. And I think that's coming uh, very soon. So... Interesting movie, Baby Assassins, yeah. and I can see it being quite a divisive movie, but I, I quite enjoyed it. So, yeah, Baby Assassins, available on Apple TV here yeah. in the UK. That is my thank you for telling. I was going to say, I haven't seen that one, Ben, but thank you for telling me it's on Apple TV. It is. Have Apple TV. And also, it's. I mean, it does sound up, right on my street, but also it feels like we haven't had a Japanese action-led vehicle for a while and that's perhaps I've missed something but also I do like same thing I think similar with a uh, South Korean the Japanese lean hard into the violent action yes so yes they're never shy they never shy away from you know it doesn't have to be peppered throughout when you do get it the violence counts yeah there's a little bit of feedback from the Foo followers mm-hmm. on Baby Assassins on Instagram Mr. K.O. Uh, The movie Baby Assassins was a surprise hit for me, especially with the last fight of the movie. Day Shift was also very good. Great, Mm -hmm. thank you, Mr. K.O. And on Instagram, Nick Knack Matiwak writes, I think Bullet Train was my favourite that came out this year as an overall movie, but I love the fight choreography in Baby Assassins. Mm -hmm. So uh, there we go, a bit of feedback there from... The loyal Foo followers on our social media accounts. Okay then, Mike, I think it is now time for our number three. Number three. Okay, your number three, Mike. My number three echoes something that you said earlier, which is Violent Night. Ah. So, I mean, without, uh, I guess, repeating ourselves, it was just a very enjoyable enjoyable Christmas film, anti-Christmas film, perhaps, but you know, inventive with the action, uh, did a lot of fun stuff. Although obviously it's it is pretty violent. Yeah. <laughs> but um, good balance with the humour and the human side. I also liked something we didn't mention. Opposite uh, David Harbour as Santa Claus, who was great. Obviously uh, John Leguizamo, who's always very fun to watch. Yeah. He played Mr. Scrooge. Is his yeah. and his. Uh, I liked that his uh, was that his character. His name. Ne- well, I think yeah. Well, he. I mean, he'd certainly he certainly dubbed himself. himself as Mr. Yeah, Scrooge, yeah. and then his. Uh, his team all have code names with things like yeah. um, gingerbread. There's frosty. There's yeah. uh, sugar plum. They all have like funny, cutesy Christmas yeah. names, which is quite fun. And um, and I liked. There's a, yeah, a lot of diehard references, Home Alone references, and I think it it really appeals to especially you know people like ourselves of a certain age that grew up with these films. Both I think we can, you know, we're not too grown up for Home Alone. It's like we enjoy the Home Alone gags, and obviously represented here in a very violent way <laughs> yeah um, but home but alone is violent yeah, as well is, people but it's yeah forget it's, that. it's it's nice references but it's I, I guess it's like again filmmakers of a certain age and it speaks to viewers of a certain age yeah referencing these films that we love and grew up with um kind of bringing them back with a fresh spin i think as well um i know uh, dave leach and uh, kelly mccormick at, um, at the helm as producers 
and the 8711 guys generally are really good with music as well they use a lot of music good good use of soundtrack to action Brian um, Adams Brian Adams was in there yeah we were talking about good old Brian earlier um <laughs> And a lot of Canadians in the cast, so I'll be interested whether uh, that was a Canadian thing mm, to use, yeah, Brian. Maybe. But, um, yeah, just, you know, again, without going going back uh, into what we said before, just really enjoyed it as a as a fun, uh, as a, you know, a fun, breezy, entertaining ride that still was compelling and tugged at the heartstrings a little and uh, got the adrenaline going at other times. So it was a, it was a good, good, fun journey. Okay, so my number three, Mike... Mm-hmm. is The Woman King. Okay. This is a fascinating story based on... It's a true story as well of the Agoji, who were a real fighting unit. They were instrumental in protecting the West African Kingdom of Dahomey, one of the most powerful African states at the time. And this is set in the early 19th century when Dahomey grew very powerful and very rich because of its involvement in the slave trade. This film has a compelling, muscular, very physical, central performance from Viola Davis. Mm -hmm. She's amazing. And surely an Oscar nomination will be heading her way for this Mm -hmm. movie. So she plays the fictionalised character of Naniska, Mm -hmm. who is a battle-scarred leader of the all-woman Agoji fighting force. And the story of the film follows a young warrior called Nawi, who trains hard and rises in the ranks of the Agoji. So both Viola Davis and the director Gina Prince-Bythewood have spoken about the struggle that they went through about bringing this incredible true story to the big screen. Uh, Davis said in an interview, Hollywood studios like it when women are pretty and blonde or close to pretty and blonde. All of these women are dark and they're beating men. So there you Mm -hmm. go. That was about the struggle they had about trying to bring this story to the big screen. Mm -hmm. It's not a perfect movie. There are quite a few formulaic beats to the film. It does lean on some quite predictable plot devices. However, I think Gina Prince-Bythewood did a wonderful job at the world building in this movie it's really evocative uses lots of stunning locations the costumes are great the music's fantastic the fight scenes are really uh, crunchy and they're tinged with this sort of violent retribution going on a bit like rrr where it shows the you know the the british colonialists just getting their asses kicked this has uh, you know similar scenes where the Agoji are just beating up these European slave traders. They're quite powerful moments. There's something quite pleasurable about um, seeing that as well. Special shout out to Brixton's very own Shayna West. She is uh, the Samurider on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I know that she had a little role in Black Widow. She gets a more substantial role here. I've been following her on Instagram for years. She's fantastic. Look out for Shayna West. She's going to be a big star. There's lots of movies uh, that she's involved in that are yet to come out. I'm sure we'll be talking more about mm-hmm. her in you know, on future shows, Mike. Mm-hmm. So The Woman King, really enjoyed it. Another film I saw this week, actually, mm-hmm. that is on general release still here mm-hmm. in the UK. Bit of feedback from the Foo followers on The Woman King on Instagram. Yafet Pruitt wrote... Day Shift and The Woman King, they both stood out as good movies overall. Day Shift being just hilarious and The Woman King having an overall great story. They did also have some great action scenes. So there we go, Mike. That was my 
number three, very The Woman nice, King. Very nice. Here we go then. Let's move on. This is our number two. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Number two. Gosh, okay, we're getting down to it now, Mike. Yeah. So your number two is my number two is everything, everywhere, all at once. Ah, interesting. Okay, so I have to say that I absolutely loved this film as a complete film, as a complete package, and it's it kind of I think I think maybe oh we're talking we can talk about it in the last episode we spoke about it briefly we did but um absolutely wacky zany insane it's almost it's challenging to know how to even describe it but we, <laughs> yeah. it's written and directed by uh two great filmmakers daniel kwan and daniel uh Scheinart, um collectively known as daniels and then produced by uh, the russo brothers anthony and joe russo and i guess you know at its core it centers around uh, a chinese american um immigrant lady called um, evelyn who runs a, a laundrette isn't it with her with her partner and with her family yep. and um, and in this story she's played by Michelle Yeoh while being audited by the IRS or I guess it would be HMRC if it was <laughs> it would be yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, on a, you know a, a deliberately intent, a humorously dull kind of springboard while being yeah. audited by the IRS discovers that uh, she must connect with uh, with parallel universe versions of herself alternate scenarios which could have been uh, to prevent a powerful being from destroying the mu- the multiverse as a whole. It's a very wacky, genre bending, uh, wild film. S- incredibly original, inventive. Um, I think we said last time, and I certainly said, haven't seen anything like it. Can't think of any comparison. Um, it's got elements of you know comedy, very black comedy, very silly kind of slapstick comedy. There's sci-fi fantasy, there's martial arts, there's moments it goes into animation, but at its core, a very poignant, moving story focusing on family and mm-hmm. it was it was a very uh, sweet moving film and super entertaining Michelle Yeoh's brilliant we know her to be brilliant from all past films but this is a, a such a good showcase for her and very inventive and um, again I think we said last time for anyone who hadn't heard the previous episode but it's it's kind of reassuring to see such a uh, such an unusual and original film doing so well that it's not just a it's kind of an underdog indie film that no one's really heard of and you know it's actually become i mean perhaps it started as that or a bit more under the radar but certainly through the critical acclaim it received and the word of mouth and the commercial success it's achieved um 
a huge amount of attention and it's great to see something that you enjoy and that's good but it, to see it be a success is a good thing and should be celebrated I think. absolutely yeah i couldn't agree with with that more yeah. mike also quick shout out for um jonathan kihu kwan best known from uh, goonies uh, indiana jones and um i believe it's his first adult acting role for a number of years and he was brilliant in it absolutely fantastic um but the cast is great i mean all around you've got jamie lee curtis james hong's in there harry shum jr yeah. um <laughs> with the weird with thing the, in his head the rac- yeah. what's the um, uh, rac- raccoon yeah or something? it's um but yeah incredibly entertaining so many great characters it's great to see that people are enjoying it it's really broken through into the yeah. mainstream hasn't it and being a film which when i initially heard about it thought it would just be a sort of quirky offbeat film and it wouldn't be out in the cinema for very long so you know you might as well book your tickets and see mm-hmm. it while you can yeah it's still out there still going strong and uh oscar noms it looks mm-hmm. like it's heading that way as well so that's just really encouraging great to see some really positive feedback on everything everywhere all at once from the foo followers from twitter christopher evans michelle yo's passion project shows how diverse characters in movies can be uh colin squire on twitter my favorite film from this year has to be everything everywhere all at once this film was an oddly brilliant masterpiece on Instagram, Gerda Bjork said everything everywhere all at once because of everything. So that's mm-hmm. the, the reason why they enjoyed it. And on email, Lee Mitchell, for me this year has got to be everything everywhere all at once. What a movie that was. It kicked ass. Michelle Yeoh, awesome as always. And Kihu Kwan, why didn't he do more movies? Well, there are reasons for that. And it's definitely worth going online and reading a lot of uh, interviews with uh Kihu Kwan, who is now finally enjoying this wonderful career. He'll be in the next season of Loki as well, which is uh, wonderful to see. So that's your number two, Everything Everywhere All at Once. So my number two is Accident Man, okay. Hitman's Holiday. Yeah, yeah. So I think I know where this is going, yes. but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Okay, this is top tier Scott Aikens stuff we're, we're, we're discussing here. I would actually go so far to say this is probably his best film so far at capturing that fast-paced Hong Kong-style fight mm-hmm. choreography. All the fight scenes in this movie are just great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really great. Scott came on the show, obviously, a month or so ago to talk about this movie, so do go back and listen to that if you haven't already. We do go into quite a bit of detail about the making of this movie. This is the sequel to 2018's Accident Man. That was Scott's dream project, based on a comic book that he read growing up. It's been adapted for the screen by Scott's good friend Stu Small. Uh, this sequel sees Scott as the leading man. He's also a producer on the movie, the story developer. He's one of the fight choreographers. Uh, so he's put a lot of work into this one and it really does pay off. It sees him return as the assassin Mike Fallon. He disguises all of his kills as accidents. He finds himself in Malta up to his old tricks again and soon falls foul of the mafia there who kidnap his good buddy Finicky Fred. Mm-hmm. played by Perry Benson. It's got a bit of Guy Ritchie, it's got a bit of Edgar Wright, it's got a lot of Jackie Chan, a bit of Yen Wu Ping in there as well. Huge credit to the supporting cast, all the stunt performers and martial artists who do great turns in this mm-hmm. movie. Sarah Chang, I've not seen a, a better role for her yet, so I think it's one of her best roles. Sarah Chang plays Mike Fallon's sidekick, sort of Cato to his Inspector Clouseau. And Andy Long is brilliant. He's sort of the end boss. 
in this movie is absolutely electrifying surely one of the best young talents that we have working in martial arts action cinema today he demands the best out of scott in probably one of his best fight scenes i would Mm -hmm. say and the whole thing was done in like 20 days or something it's it's incredible so accident man hitman's holiday that's available on digital platforms Mm -hmm. here in the uk that is my number two bit of feedback from the food followers here on twitter christopher evans enjoyed accident man 2 because of its combination of british humor and keeping the hong kong action tradition alive colin squire again accident man 2 was brilliant from start to finish ross boyask on instagram accident man 2 which easily tops the original movie in terms of the humor and tone and the fights are very exciting maladin kulich on instagram accident man 2 this sequel goes crazier than the first and scott adkins deserves more recognition as an amazing action star on facebook steve moore accident man 2 is the best and also has some amazing fights like the one with andy long and has great comedy good story too well done again scott and crew fingers crossed for part three is there going to be a disc released of this classic too as i love physical media don't know is the answer to that at this stage i know it's available on digital platforms but i've actually just quite recently i saw on um I believe it was maybe on Twitter or something like that. Scott responded to somebody saying there is going to be a physical release in the US at least, which oh, may mean that the yeah. UK and elsewhere follows. Okay, so good crossed. stuff. That is that is good to good to know. On Instagram, Cameron Levins, Accident Man Two, the final fight is a showstopper. And Gentle Bro, nineteen ninety five on Instagram, loved Accident Man Two, the clown fight really enjoyed the clown fight that's obviously with uh Bo Fowler your friend of mine so I think I know where this is going now but uh let's see I mean I could be wrong maybe there's uh bring him back dead might steal the the number one spot but let's see okay then so Mike here we go let's reveal our number one number one okay Mike I think I know what this is so my number one pick of the best could say the best martial arts film of 2022 the best fight centric film of 2022 is accident man hitman's holiday there it is yeah and i'm sure echoing many of the sentiments you've just shared i think it's a uh it's a excellent top tier scott adkins movie yeah um obviously anyone who's familiar with his work knows the standard we've come to expect i'm sure the standard he expects of himself and how he pushes himself um, I was a big fan of the first film, um, obviously under uh, uh, Jesse Johnson as director, but I have heard that you know they felt they didn't quite get the tone right or as in line, I suppose, with the comic book and the, the aesthetic and the style as much. So that's why they you know maybe had a slight change of direction. Here we've got the the Kirby brothers, George and Harry Kirby, um, new filmmakers but very talented guys, very technically proficient as well. Um, in the way they capture and shoot fights. He's also with some stunt and action background, which obviously helps. And under, I guess, Scott's tutelage and his direction in terms of knowing the comic inside out and being a passion project for him, um, I think they really raise the bar. There's a lot of comedy here, as you've you've talked about, um, a lot of gags, 
very British humour, which I think was impressive that they managed to pull that off and uh, made the decision to pull that off. Bearing in mind, I, I imagine Scott's got, well, we, I think we know Scott's got a very international audience, yeah. but the fact that they really lean so hard into the British sensibility and sense of humour is really good. Obviously, I mean, it's good for us Brits anyway, we're mm. going to enjoy that, but the fact that the Americans, hopefully, and other countries will um, will enjoy it. In all honesty, for me, the humour didn't all all land. It mm. wasn't completely uh, to my taste. Not that it needs to be. It's not. <laughs> it's not for me personally. But again, with you know, focusing in on what we're talking about, the best fight-centric film of 2022. I don't think. And I'm looking at you across the table. <laughs> ben, I know. You I are. don't think anyone can say any of the other films we've talked about have better fight scenes than this. And I'll draw reference, I'm kind of just quantifying this. I, If we were to say favourite film of 2022, yes. I mean, there's other things I can think of, whether it's Top Gun Maverick that we that is not even in this list at all, mm-hmm. or Everything Everywhere All at Once I loved as a whole entire piece of filmmaking. But I think as a fight-centric film... I would genuinely, confidently say you can't do better than this. And the way they've brought the Hong Kong style aesthetic, um, obviously Scott's immense martial arts filmmaking experience anyway, and the, the the quality and the color of the fight scenes. So many standout fight scenes. Andy Long's obviously great, you mentioned. I was a big fan, actually. My favorite fight was Bo Fowler's. I would like love to see in the future, hoping for a third film, to lean more into the wacky and the zany. Mm-hmm. So like, I loved... Bows fight the best personally and again that kind of comic book aesthetic with these wacky characters I'd love to see Mike Fallon take on more of these sorts of characters so it doesn't actually you know as much as the the other choreography is great and I did love Andy Long's character and Sarah Chang's characters I'd love to see more uh, more exploration into these um, crazy aspects and Mike Fallon has to take on these unhinged mm-hmm. wacky characters that's just a, a personal thing for me for the attributes that we're talking about the best fight centric film of 2022 come on Ben <laughs> fight me bro (laughs) and i'm sure the internet will also agree with you on this all of that is absolutely valid and Mm -hmm. it was an amazing film i absolutely loved accident man hitman's holiday it would seem that the ceo has put out a contract on my son dante i need you to protect my son at all costs do you understand and there's a gaggle of assassins about to turn up kill every last one of you so you better get your skates on is a proper game on but my number one film Mike of the year yes I think you can guess it I can guess it what do you say everything everywhere ah, all yes. at once and I did wrestle with this mm-hmm. but I'll tell you for why you didn't wrestle very hard <laughs> <laughs> you tapped out early <laughs> I I am such a fan of this film mm-hmm. and I think Having gone back to it, it's on Amazon Prime, by Mm -hmm. the way, so anyone can uh, jump in and watch it. It moved me to tears again. Mm -hmm. Having seen it now a few Mm -hmm. times, uh, it still has that emotional resonance for me, which, granted, you make a good point. Yeah, overall, is it a good film? Yes, it is a wonderful film, but also it's such a celebration of Michelle Yeoh Mm -hmm. now being a sort of lifelong and followed Michelle Yeoh's career as we all have I can't think of anyone else in Hollywood who could have convincingly played this Mm -hmm. role and it plays to so many of her 
strengths and the extraordinary career that she's had as mm-hmm. well whether she's in a glitzy ball gown at a movie premiere in those scenes that look like mm-hmm. a Wong Kar Wai film or she's kicking ass in the action scenes or she's playing this stressed laundromat owner she's struggling to connect with her daughter and her husband no one can convincingly pull off all those mm-hmm. different roles as well as Michelle Yeoh She's just turned 60 as well, and it's a wonderful moment in her career now. So it is a wild, fast-paced, nutty comedy film. It's not strictly a full-on martial arts film, but I would say it's just a tribute to her amazing career. Uh, It just had to go at number Mm -hmm. one for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree with everything you said. All I'd ask is, does it have an exploding suit? (laughs) No, it doesn't. It does have... It has hot dog fingers. <laughs> it does have hot dog fingers. I think they use uh, dildos as nunchucks yes. at one point. Yes. So it does have that. Also, just on Michelle Yeoh, she manages to lead this film and get away with all the crazy stuff in this film with such grace and commitment mm-hmm. as well. She's totally on board for every sort of crazy aspect of this movie and it's huge credit to her mm-hmm. as well. Ki-Hu Kwan, let's not forget he had a martial arts movie Mm -hmm. career in the early 90s. Breathing Fire, I think, with uh, Bolo Young is definitely worth uh, checking out. Jerry Trimble, of course. Huge shout out to Brian Lee and Andy Lee, Mm -hmm. uh, the Martial Club boys. They're having a great uh, career in Hollywood now. That's been really encouraging to see. They've been smashing it out in... Films like mm-hmm. Shang-Chi, Paper Tigers, Luke Van Tien as well, which is Andy Long's uh, movie. Brian was in Shadow Master as well, had a mm-hmm. really good fight scene in that. Really happy for those guys. Really great to see them in this movie as well, just really strutting their stuff. So I think because it's so wacky and it had so many hidden depths to it, mm-hmm. it just really resonated mm-hmm. with me. I had to put it at number one fine. as That's much fine. as I love Accident yes. Man, Hitman's Holiday so that is why that is my favorite film of the year so we should say now mike if we're going to come to some agreement here Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think we probably have a joint winner don't we for the best film of the Mm -hmm. year i guess if mine is everything everywhere all at once and yours is accident Accident man Man 2 and we've got the same and then we've got the same in reverse Maybe there's a joint winner there. Maybe a joint winner. I'm happy with the joint winner. So our best film of the year is Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday and Everything Everywhere Mm -hmm. All at Once. Two very different films. Yes. He's waiting in the wings. The universe. He speaks of senseless things. Is so much bigger than you realize. I could be. I just want to be here with you. Remember our mission concerning the fate of every single world of our infinite multiverse. There is no way I am the Evelyn you are looking for. Every rejection, every disappointment has led you here to this moment. Okay, great stuff. Thank you so much, Mike, for that. Before we move on from this, I think we should also shine a light on some other movies that didn't quite make the top five that we also enjoyed. Mike, do you have any uh, honourable mentions from the long list? I 
do I think I'd give a little shout out to Day Shift yeah uh, which is of course the directorial debut of JJ Perry great stunt coordinator and um, OG stuntman and very talented guy starring Jamie Foxx Dave Franco Snoop Dogg as well and of course Mr. Scott Adkins in there as well in a a cool supporting role this was a fun vampire action comedy and I think I saw this in kind of the ideal situation where it was like end of a long week Friday night pizza have a drink yeah and watch the movie and it was a and it was a good kickback and enjoy um ride so um you know hats off to those guys jj perry i'm interested to see what he does next i'm sure he's got a lot of interesting prospects on the horizon it would be cool to see what which kind of direction he wants to take next as again one of the kind of 87 11 alumni yeah it was good good fun did you did you enjoy that one? Enjoyed that. That was on my honourable mentions. Yeah, yeah I yeah. did enjoy that movie. I just wanted to quickly shout out Carter as well mm-hmm. on Netflix. Um, more because this is just an amazing achievement, I think. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it actually fully works. Mm-hmm. So this is from the director of The Villainess, yeah. uh, Young Pyung Kil. Mm-hmm. Director Young uses this real-time one-take technique for the fight scenes. Mm-hmm. He did it in The Villainess, but he just did it in the fight scene for the villainess but in this movie he uses that one take technique Mm -hmm. but he does it throughout the whole film Mm -hmm. and actually because the camera was it's constantly moving around and blurring from one bit to the next it's quite overwhelming and disorientating and I don't know if you found this Mike when you watched it I had to like look away from the screen at certain points like it was too it was sort of yeah. too much almost yeah. for me I, I liked the ambition and what they were setting out yeah. to do I actually liked it much more in the beginning like the first kind of five ten minutes the and fight then, in the sauna yeah that was that and was they, were, they were nice I, th- I think it's a good example of they went too far with it they should have reined it back in <laughs> yeah. so even things like they, a lot of CGI and kind of some ropier visual effects mm-hmm. I wish they stuck they kind of need you know Stick more to their stick more to their guns of being grounded and using the camera. Like a great example of extraction was still used visual effects, I'm sure, but um, much more gritty, grainy, following you know camera following the character through the smoke, but using very meticulous camera angles. And even like something like One Shot, I think did that as well. Yeah, for me, the one take spectacle is lost when suddenly. I mean, you can maybe see some of you can see some of the edit points. That's not the biggest problem the problem is the effects visual effects don't work it snaps you out of that reality and then you're no longer on the edge of your seat you're just watching this kind of never-ending almost cartoonish gimmick go so that was that was yeah that was a problem for me but i liked the ambition i liked what they were setting out to do on instagram thomas frost said carter mind-blowing action scenes the helicopter scenes was insane and the drone footage was just wow and lee mitchell on email said i really enjoyed carter they tried different things with that movie which is definitely uh, worth applauding so honorable mention there to the south korean action film Carter Mike any other honourable mentions movies that almost made your list I'd like to give a little shout out to Shadow Master which is produced yeah. by Pratchett Pinkiel yeah. obviously best known as the producer of many of Tony Jaa's films Ong Bak directed Ong Bak um, yeah. Ong Bak yep um, helmed a lot of those films but he's a producer he's purely a producer mm. on, on this one far from being a perfect film but just I loved this really really off the wall but completely leans into it kind of batshit horror yeah. uh, elements um, set inside a kind of a, an abandoned hospital where these squatters live right. and this guy is hired to be like a they call it a night watchman to kind of guard the squatters but there's a demonic presence inside the 
uh, hospital. It's kind of like Hellraiser-esque demons. It reminded me of Hellraiser. I wrote part Hellraiser, part Albert Pian. It had a, yeah. that kind of yeah. vibe to it. And um, they're stealing the children. Yeah. And this guy takes on the, the, uh, the, the demonic presence. But then along the way, I mean, he's a martial artist, but this isn't really a spoiler, I guess, this part of the whole synopsis. Along the way is uh, killed, but then makes kind of a Faustian pact with the devil to be brought back. But the devil, you know, the the devil owns his soul. But in order to, in a kind of a a demonic form, continue fighting this demonic presence, it's it's quite nutty. And it's nutty, but I really liked that it was... So for a start, it's an 18. You don't get that many, you know, 18 or R-rated for the US guys. Pretty grisly and gruesome at times. But some good fight scenes, obviously, from Pratchett, kind of come to expect very Tony Jaa-esque. Lots of elbows and knees. the elbows, the knees are in there. We should say we're talking about... So his name is D.Y. Sal. He's the lead in this film. Uh, Cambodian born, raised in California. He trained Simu Liu for Mm Shang-Chi and he's a US national Wushu team member. This is his starring role debut. Mm -hmm. Wonderful martial artist, yes, very much influenced by yeah. Tony Jaa. This is the kind of movie they'd show at midnight at like Fright Fest and it would yeah. get an amazing response. Yeah. It's a real genre pleaser, yeah. isn't it? Really, so yeah, not perfect, but it was just it was fun and it was yeah. inventive. And I, again, I liked that it, it leaned hard into the definitely adult action horror element. Yeah, wonderful fight scene with Brian yep. Lee as well yep. yeah, from Everything Everywhere All at Once. He is just amazing to watch. That fight scene is is incredible. Comment from Foo followers, Mr. The Stray on Instagram, Shadowmaster had some great choreo. So mm-hmm. yeah, it certainly did. It's worth checking out. Mm-hmm. It gets a wider UK release next year. Yeah, early in movie. the new year, I believe. Yeah, yeah it, is, it is out in the USA already. Honourable mention for Alienoid Mm -hmm. here, which is a pretty bad title, isn't it? (laughs) But I did see this on a screener, actually, from Wildo USA, Mm -hmm. and I don't think it's actually released here in the UK yet. So so that's partly why I wasn't sure about including it Mm -hmm. uh, any higher. But I will just say, this is uh, a Korean time travel action comedy about robots from the future who are protecting human beings who are being possessed by aliens Mm -hmm. and this is throughout history this has been happening it's a little bit back to the future it's got a bit of highlander in there and then when they go back in time to the 14th century it reminded me a lot of the classic chinese wuxia and supernatural Mm -hmm. films so it's got a touch of a chinese ghost story some of the knockabout comedy reminded me of stephen chow maybe Mm -hmm. So there's lots of reference points, but it's also a sort of sweet coming-of-age story as well about a girl that's growing up in contemporary Korea who is protected by these benevolent robots from the future who have taken on human form. It mm-hmm. sounds really wacky. From what I could gather, this actually was a bit of a flop mm-hmm. in uh, in South Korea when it, when it came out, but um, I quite enjoyed it, actually. Mm-hmm. Alienoid, that's called, so that's coming out soon here, I believe, in the in the UK, yeah. out already mm-hmm. in the USA. Was there one other honourable mention, Mike? Yeah, I just, well, to... I just wanted to give, on the, more on the TV side, I wanted yeah, to give yeah. a shout-out to Gangs of London Season 2. Of course. Because um, I'm a big fan of Gangs of London. I loved the first season. Um, a lot of people have commented the second season is quite different and it does have somebody different at the helm it's got Corin Hardy is kind of the main man behind the scenes and directing and, um, and and leading the charge and he's well known for horror specifically he's made a number of um, great horror films but what what it favours here is the action design is still great as you'd expect there's a lot of um, 
memorable fight scenes and set pieces, but it really leans hard into the horror Mm -hmm. elements. So there's a lot of gore, as anyone who's seen the trailer will attest. We have uh, Clayton Barber, who was was one of the key action designers? Oh, I didn't um, know that. And he, you know, obviously going back to the martial law days, worked yeah. with Simon. He did Creed and so on. So he's done a lot of good stuff. And uh, Tim Connolly, uh, it's a great stunt coordinator who's worked. And there's and some familiar faces from the UK scene, like Jean Paul Lee, Jean Paul Lee's in, um, there, yeah, in yeah. there, and some others. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot to enjoy. And I think you know, again, tonally slightly different from the first uh, season, but then there's still the uh, the you know a lot of the great world building and just been announced that season three will be oh, uh, will be here one. so great look forward to season three of gangs of london yeah. i'm sure that will be a couple of years away but yeah it's nice to have that on the horizon a couple of extra mentions some favorite films from the foo followers as well this year so rupture on twitter christopher evans wrote rupture starring mark strange flying the flag for british sci-fi and Colin Squire as well on Twitter. Rupture was enjoyable, but a bit slow in places. And finally, Fistful of Vengeance. This is the Wu Assassins mm-hmm. uh, follow-up sequel movie on Netflix. That was the favourite film for Michael Pale Bangan on Instagram, who wrote Fistful of Vengeance, incredible movie. Great. Okay. Thank you so much for all your comments and for getting in touch with us and letting us know what your favourite fight films were of 2022. Okay, those were our honourable mentions. Thank you so much, Mike, for your top five lists this year. Before we wrap up, let's take a quick look at the films coming out next year. This is a little section of the show that we like to call Things to Look Forward to in 2023. Things to look forward to in 2023. Okay, Mike, I've just sent you a little list there of films, uh, just generally things that are coming out that look interesting next year in 2023. Is there anything out of that lot that's ticking your boxes? There's some big sequels coming out. Yeah, I think uh, for any fans of Creed, having Creed 3 on the horizon is really exciting. Uh, What do you think about that? I know Stallone's quite upset about Creed 3. Three, yeah, but I mean, you know, I think there's a bigger story there behind the scenes. I think focusing on um, Michael B. Jordan directing, directing. Um, I'll be excited to see what he does. Um, I'm also curious. I don't plot wise. Do we know about the the Rocky involvement in the story? No. So we're going to find that out, and I'm, yeah. I'm curious to see that. Um, but as a fan of the previous films, you know, I'll definitely have that one on my radar. Havoc as well, Gareth Evans. A film with Tom Hardy, I'm sure is going to be great. I mean, it can't not be, quite frankly. Gosh, I cannot wait. Um, so that will be really exciting to see. And talking about, you know, in the John Wick universe, you've got John Wick Chapter 4, yeah. uh, the Continental TV series, Extraction 2. Extraction so 2, that's, oh gosh, that's going to be exciting. Do you That'll know be, any uh, anything about that movie? No, I think there's um, only a couple of things that have been teased yeah, yeah. by either um, Hemsworth or... Um, Mr. Hargrave but apart from that you know details are bare I should say I'm sorry in the John Wick Universe Ballerina as well Ballerina as well yes so I believe that's already maybe it's still being Mm -hmm. maybe that's still being filmed at the moment and anyone anyone who's a fan of old school Red Sonja um, we do have the reboot to look forward to and we you know know some of the people involved in that so that'll be fun to see and seeing kind of how they evolve that that character and story for 2023 Big shout out to Donnie Yen's new movie Sakura as well. I know this mm-hmm. has been a bit of a labour of love for him. He is starring in it and he's directed that movie as well, working with Kenji Tanagaki as well on the action for that. So I believe that's actually coming out early next year. 
and also we've got Expendables 4 mm-hmm. as well that could be quite exciting Jason Statham I believe more of the lead in, yeah. in that movie I mean I'm, after Expendables 3 I'm less yeah. <laughs> less excited <laughs> I but I will uh, I will, I'll see it and I'll yeah. look forward and I you know yeah it has got a great cast again they've got the you know i think a lot of the old faces back yeah. plus some new new people in the mix so that'll be interesting to see what they do absolutely so a lot to look forward to mm-hmm. there uh, in 2023 before we go mike thank you so much for agreeing thank to you, take ben. part in this show our annual end of year roundup and it's been an absolute pleasure as always and thank you so much for inviting me over to your lovely home here yes. uh this has been great thank you so much for all your support as well thank you. with the show and everything this year and i do wish you all the very best thank you and you sir thank you. mike is there anything that you want to plug or promote uh that's coming up what's coming up in your world in 2023 um, i'll just say thank you to everyone who has uh, obviously been supporting me or my books uh in the past um anyone who supports ben and the great kung fu movie guide podcast which i'm always happy to be involved in and it's fun to do i'm grateful to all you guys and uh hope that you you continue enjoying and championing these films and i look forward to doing more fun things with young ben in the near future (laughs) thank you mike And do go and do visit Mike's website, of course, mm-hmm. MikeFury.net. Pick up Life of Action Volume 1 and 2 mm-hmm. if you haven't bought that already. You've got a lovely line of merchandise as well, I believe. Yeah, it might. Um, depends on when this drops. I'll be launching some new merch soon. Great. Um, and maybe doing some more, uh, preemptively doing some more stuff uh, in the near future, which is barely to say. But yeah, how about you, Ben? What's next? <laughs> Ben Johnson well thank you very much Mike uh, for that and for handing over there so uh, yeah well season 7 of the Kung Fu Movie Guide does continue Mm -hmm. and we will be going on a little brief pause but we will have another episode uh, back for all you guys in January and that'll be once we've recovered from all the mince pies I suppose over the next few weeks Uh, In the meantime, do keep it locked, of course, to all the usual KFMG pod channels. That is the best way to keep up to date with all the latest news regarding this podcast. We are on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And do remember to give us a star rating and subscribe to this podcast using your podcast provider. And for all the latest martial arts movie reviews, contact information, access to our newsletter and ways to donate to the show, simply visit our website, kungfumovieguide.com. And if you do want to reach out to me directly, the best way to do so is to send me an email. The email address is hello at kungfumovieguide.com. And that is about it then for 2022. So from me, Ben Johnson, and from him, Mike Fury, we want to wish all of the Foo followers around the world listening to this very happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and all the very best for a wonderful new year. Thank you, guys. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Thank you for all your support in 2022. Take care, stay safe, be well, and bye for now. Thank you, Foo followers. You have been listening to our special two-part end-of-year show 2022 featuring the author of Life of Action Volume 1 and 2, that's Mike Fury. Huge thank you for making it all the way to the very end of this episode. That is marvellous. A couple of additional notes here just to close out the show for this year. 
a quick recap then of our top five fight-centric action films of 2022. Mike's top five was at number five, The Grey Man. You can watch that on Netflix. Number four was Black Panther Wakanda Forever. That's still on general release here in the UK. As is Mike's number three, Violent Night. Everything Everywhere All at Once. That was Mike's number two. That is available on digital platforms. As is Mike's number one. That's Accident Man, Hit Man's Holiday. My top five and number five, Violent Night. At number four, Baby Assassins. That is available on digital platforms. The Woman King was my number three. That's on general release still here in the UK. And my number two was Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday. And my number one was Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I'll be sure to put a link to the full list of movies from this year in the description of this show. And if you have any issues with the list at all, then please do send any hate mail over to Mike Fury. (laughs) Only kidding. It is always hard to compile these lists every year and really it is just a bit of fun. You can read reviews of many of the films that were discussed on this episode of the show on our website, kungfumovieguide.com. A huge thank you to Mike Fury for putting up with me once again. When you hear the show, it is nicely condensed into a couple of hours, but we're usually taking most of the day to record this show. We stop and pour drinks and we have a chat and I rifle through Mike's latest DVDs. We have lunch. It's a really nice, fun day out. So a huge thank you, Mike and Jill, for having me over again this year. Mike's website is mikefury.net. He is also on Twitter and Instagram at TheMikeFury. Lastly, it just remains for me to wish you, the loyal Foo follower, wherever you are in the world, a very happy holidays and a very happy new year. Thank you so much for checking out the show in 2022. Plenty more to come in 2023, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media to keep up to date with all the latest news regarding this show. Until we meet again, then thank you so much. Take care, everyone. Have a lovely break, and I'll speak to you all again very soon on the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. Bye for now. So I've just got a bit of spiel here before we get going on this. Okay. I don't have a worst film of the year. You just I... said you had two. <laughs> <laughs> and we also heard from some of the big names from the martial arts movie scene who have recorded some special message, some special. And um, I'm trying to remember what the story is. So, <laughs> um, Which is, of course, the um, directorial. And the email address, which is, as always, hello at kungfumovieguide.com. It's the snowballs they're repeating. Yeah. The use of the word, the phrase number two is always going <laughs> to generate laughs. My number two. It's a wrap. Yeah. We did it. Cool. Are you happy with that? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.